Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, My Unpaid Therapist, where we talk about the things nobody is talking about. We hope that through the power of conversation, we can empower women to be vulnerable in their messiness and the sticky points of life. Hosted by yours truly, Kobe and Sadie. Enjoy the show! Sadie and Kobe, and we are recording episode four of the podcast, My Unpaid Therapist. And this topic is going to be about sex, sex expectations, sex shaming, and sexual identity, I suppose. Um, We are probably going to have a really fluid conversation because we haven't really discussed this in a concentrated setting before. We've touched on this topic amongst each other and with one of our other best friends, but to sit down and really explore this topic together has not happened. So that's why we actually do not have a title for episode four because I'm not really sure where this conversation is going to go, but we just wanted to expand the narrative on sex so that women can get their voices heard as well and their opinions and that hopefully by more ways of accessing women's ideas and thoughts on the topic we can get a more well-rounded perspective on it so here we go hey cope how's it going good Sade. uh thanks for that nice introduction and i'm excited to be connecting with you for this podcast um as I uh, was saying just right before we hopped on here, that I think this is a great topic for this week. Uh, the way we choose our topics is just kind of seeing what comes to the surface, what's calling our attention. And um, yeah, so I'm doing well and just feeling very invigorated, inspired, and I don't know, some new level of me has opened up this week in terms of connecting with speaking the truth and just really owning that and honoring it. So I'm excited, especially coupled with this topic around sex, having that energy um, going into it. And how are you? What was that, Cope? Oh, I said, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I was telling you, I woke up today and my eyes were swollen, which has not ever happened to me before, but... uh, I almost sent you a photo because I don't think you would believe it unless you saw it. Yeah. But I'm feeling a little bit better. (laughs) Um, Besides my eyes being swollen, which I think is just being very tired. I went to bed pretty early yesterday, but have noticed so much more busyness surrounding me and I hate to use that word busyness because I think it has somewhat of a negative connotation. I think we say when we're complaining about too much and at the same time, same time, the busyness is a lot of fun activities and abundance in my private practice. And so there's really no reason to complain. However, I am used to a little bit of a slower pace of life. So my swollen eyes are a physical manifestation of my busyness, I suppose. Huh. Yeah. That's um, fascinating. So, yeah. Well, I would have loved to have seen a picture <laughs> because you're right. I can't imagine them being that swollen because those things don't normally happen to you. I know what your eyes look like when you get sunscreen in them, but yeah. not when they're swollen. More of like a milky, watery look. This is more of like <laughs> they are at half mast. Half mass and are plump, plump little, plump little berries. Yeah. Did you put anything on it, like a hot compress? No, because I woke up, meditated, and worked out. So I was like, I have got to be quick. I have a 9 a.m. appointment with Kobe. Um, There's no messing around. So I wasn't even able to kind of sit down. But I think moving helped um, bring the fluid down. Yeah. 
which I think movement just overall in general just gets things flowing so nothing can really stagnate. So that's good. Gets the bug flowing. Yeah. So, um, but that's good. And I guess maybe we can start by like the question that came to mind is where would you say to jump right into our topic, where would you say your relationship to sex is at this moment in time? Oh, Okay, so I am no sex therapist, no sex educator, no sex coach. So I'm only speaking from my experience. I am an expert on my own experience, but there is such good literature out there for anything that we say. If you want to, you know, if any of our viewers want to explore further, we can put that in our show notes because, you know, we're just coming from our own heteronormative experience and it is abundantly out there, but there's so many other things to explore and see. Um, and I just wanted to kind of put that out there that unfortunately we're kind of limited because you and I grew up, Kobe, in a system that was very binary with our sexual relationship to ourselves and the other gender. And so unfortunately that's all we have to draw yeah. on. But who knows, maybe we will become more and more gray in our fluidity with sexuality as we get older. I'm certainly open to that. Yeah, I would say I am too. And before we did this podcast, I just looked some things up on like surrounding sex shaming and uh, not to derail from the question I just asked you, but even at a moment this week with my partner where we were having sex and something, a comment was said, uh, to me and it really stopped the feelings of wanting to have sex and enjoying the moment and it's funny because I think so many times we as women um, don't even realize how much we're being shamed in sex and surrounding that like those comments because they're so normalized and they've been happening throughout our well at least for me my entire sexual experience in life and so to have the confidence to speak up and say, like, no, that does not work for me or that's not fair takes a lot of practice and a lot of confidence and just believing that you're des like, I'm just des deserving of a fulfilled sexual life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. Anyways, I guess I'll let, let you answer or if there's, I don't know, what whatever comes to you. But I guess I think it's interesting to see, like, maybe where we stand right now and then kind of talk about the evolution of getting there. Like, yeah, so I would yeah. say I'm in a very good position right now where I feel very empowered and in love with my own relationship to myself. And it includes my sexual relationship with myself, which I don't think I ever took into consideration previously that that is also a possibility that I could have a vibrant sex life with myself. Um, and I'm a little shy saying that out loud, but that's only because that's that goes along with how sex is shameful for women. Um, I, it has been such a journey getting to this spot. And a lot of the journey includes painful discoveries. I think you have to know where you've been in order to realize where you want to go. And mm -hmm. so a lot of that meant discovering places in my life or views or perspectives, opinions that I needed to address about it myself and that needed to be addressed with my partner and some historical sexual trauma that had to be addressed for me to be in a position where I don't feel shameful anymore when I'm having a sexual relationship with myself. Um, and I just think it stems from such a huge grooming that happens with women where we are cut off from our bodies and the more we are cut off from our bodies the more men can be violent to us and the more women can be objectified and I objectify women also and so 
it feels gross to be a part of the system. But again, just like I feel like we breathe racist air, I believe we breathe sexist air. So it's a part of my own undoing is, you know, looking at my body in a different way and, and realizing I have access to pleasure and it's not sinful to access my own pleasure. Um, so where I am today feels very good. I think I have so much more to access and that makes me feel excited. I also think I was robbed of a lot of stuff growing up. Um, but that's okay. Cause I'm in my early thirties and I have plenty of life to live. I expect to live easily into my 100s so <laughs> uh, I'm just getting started how about you, you uh, so uh I am I feel I'm in a good place with my body my sexuality and there's this curiosity and based uh, from our last podcast, or not our last one, but I think our se- second episode where we talked about curiosity, I feel like that sentiment and word is just interwoven into all aspects of my life. And this is the first time in my life that I have felt confident with my vagina and how it looks and feeling that there's nothing wrong with it that everything is normal because for years I always thought like mine doesn't look right or it's different or it's not what's shown on like what is shown as normal and like porn or what people talk about. And I think that really affected my relationship to sex and connecting with people and allowing myself to fully feel pleasure. And now I am also exploring my own pleasure and seeing like the different ways in which I can access that. And from there, getting to be more clear around what I enjoy, what I like, how to communicate that with the person I'm with, because that also is something I don't think I was ever very good at, because it can be difficult to talk about sex and really communicate what I need. Um, to feel fulfilled. And also, I think the male ego can be very fragile. So a lot of times, it doesn't feel okay to speak up for needs being met, or when we do speak up, or when I've spoken up, that it's heard, but not fully. And so tiptoeing around, um, yeah, not wanting to hurt the other person's feelings, but it's also like, is that at the sacrifice of my own pleasure and fulfillment? And that is something I think a lot of women deal with because that's probably why women fake orgasms because that's seen as kind of the ultimate, um, like penis and vagina in- intercourse. And that is the only way that it's seen, I think, for men until they start to open their minds to different avenues as being successful for them, that they were able to pleasure their woman. So that kind of on a tangent, but even though um, that just makes me think how much shame is placed on men in terms Mm -hmm. of performance, it's like, you know, I have some experience where I realized that that's not quite fair to do to my partner because you never know what is going on in that person. And as we get older, there's more pressure and stressors and our lives become more complicated. And I think a lot of us have a very juvenile perspective of sex. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, we need to be having sex this many times a week. And if we're not, then we're failing in a relationship. And I think there's so much more shaming that goes on that transcends your partner. I mean, I think about shaming the experience of shame I felt because of what I've consumed in the media and what I then consider myself, where I compare myself and where I'm landing with that consumption or academia. Like that's a completely oppressive system based off of 
unfortunately, sexist ideals and white supremacy. So again, all my academia has furthered my own shaming because there's now research and stats that, you know, was this hyper focus on sexuality versus intimacy, which as a woman, that's what I value also. But there's not a lot of emphasis on intimacy. And then there is a lot of shaming that comes from our female counterparts, unfortunately, because it becomes just another way to kind of compare and, and make us, you know, fit into some sort of hierarchy. So I guess I feel very like confused and, and have to, you know, really widen my perspective on where does all this like information come from? Yeah, it just seems like the, you know, the micro conversations between me and my partner, it's very small, actually, compared to the shaming that I've internalized from the greater world. Oh, that is very well said. And I would agree because like, I would say you and your partner have a very close, honest relationship. And even there to discuss, like, you guys have been together 10 years. And I feel based on like what you said that you guys are finally getting to a point and that's just maybe the tip of the iceberg of finally getting comfortable with really expressing your needs and what you like and being open and saying like, okay, it doesn't have to be this one path or this one way. And even in terms of feeling like, Oh, I'm going to explore, try this out, even having freedom in that where it's like, that feels So it's like maybe for different things, like if you want to bring a vibrator into the equation or different like tools and stuff. And even in that mode, it's like, okay, well, maybe there's like a little whip or spanking or something like that. But to go expand further, like what does that even mean can feel a little bit scary and like, oh, even that's too far. So or like just knowing that that's just not what I want to do it's like I just have basic basic sex like and that that is okay also just this not something that is like super erotic or you know outside of my realm like like I've kind of I because I think we have done a lot of that kind of stuff and then we just look at each other and we're like it's just not hitting us in that spot actually I'd rather just make out with you because that feels much more intimate than watching something on tv because like well you know we for sure have explored pornography together and we both like cannot like it just doesn't I as a social worker I'm like god was this girl sexually abused you know like I can't like I can't see that I can't turn my brain off because I know the stats for, unfortunately, for women in the industry. And it's like, I think it's like upwards between 80 to 90% of women have been sexually abused and that there's like a huge substance abuse issue in that world. And so I bring that, I can't turn my brain off. I bring that all to the table. And what I find romantic in that moment is just to like feel close to my partner. But so I guess, yeah. I don't know, I just want to also, because I, I, fe- I felt shame my whole life for not exploring more. It's like, but can it be okay that I'm pretty basic? And, I, and I'm and i like, I know exactly what I need. And I what don't. Feel, yeah, I think that's amazing. Sorry to cut you off, but like. No, no. But I think you understand. Huh? I said, I think you knew what I was saying. So that's why I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. My bad, though. Sorry for the viewers. But um, yeah, I think that's incredible that you have dialed in and you know just what you need. Because for me, I am learning how to access different parts of my body. And I'm excited that the person I'm with, I feel very comfortable that we can explore. Um, But also, I think a lot of the standard ways of thinking about sex are still pervasive in our relationship. So things like comments being said of, oh, well, you know, most women I've been with are very loud and vocal and that's what I'm used to. Thumbs it. Yeah. And if there are any men, do not ever 
think that that is okay to bring into a conversation with your partner. Yeah, it's the worst. And it happens to, it's happened to me so many times. And it is so frustrating because that is in saying that you think, I don't know what they're thinking, but it's like, I'm getting shut down and it does not feel good. And just because I don't express my pleasure and enjoyment in that way does not mean I'm not enjoying it, that I I don't connect it. I have played with that whole thing in two different areas where I have realized that I'm being very vocal. Mm -hmm. I don't talk dirty. I do not talk dirty. That is not something that I feel comfortable doing. Yeah. Um, But I have played around with being less vocal And I realized that that's not in alignment for me because it's more natural to be vocal, which there's like moaning and groaning and grunting or whatever. That's different than dirty. But um, what I'm, what I'm, what am I saying? I'm basically saying that I feel like if a person says, well, most people that I've been with do it like this, that is a shaming technique to get your needs met because I think right then and there that person doesn't feel like they're getting that from you and therefore it's a reflection of them so ultimately it's like you know um let me shame you because I feel insecure right now oh completely and then and then it's like oh well most women that I have sex with are able to like orgasm you know from sex and I'm like, uh, I don't think that's the case. And research backs that up. And then it's interesting because then the conversation is, well, what do you want? What do you enjoy? And to feel, again, safe in expressing that and feeling like that person really wants to come along and truly go on that journey. Because also, uh, I think many men just think like, okay, I'm going to like rub here, suck this, do this. And then like, she's ready to go. And like what you're talking about intimacy, like I joke and say, I would love to go back to when it was middle school days before any of us were having sex. And it was just purely like what we would consider foreplay now, because that feels so connected to me. And just those moments. Um, And I do love the act of having like having sex and exploring in that way. But the pressure then to feel like I need to orgasm from having penis and vagina intercourse is, it just gets in the way. Then my head is thinking like, okay, so I'm not being vocal enough. I am now trying to orgasm. And when you orgasm, when you're in a very relaxed space. And so all these things, and I think women tend to, and maybe that's a shaming thing too, be so in their head. And then to have it be said, like, well, it's nothing I'm doing. <laughs> it's like, well, there's two of us in this. And there is some responsibility and role. And then, like, can we just say that, like, not every time does a man need to orgasm during sex? I have had sex so many times where I am the only one that orgasms. And that is an equitable relationship where it's like, yeah, her sexual needs are just as important as the male sexual needs. But how many times do we think that sex, the end result is like the male orgasm? Like that is the completion of sex, right? Totally. And then also to be comfortable as a woman to want to enjoy your pleasure without feeling like the man needs to get off. That like you can go and do that and it's okay that he didn't get off, whether you're having intercourse or other means of stimulation to like reach that climax as a woman. Cause that's another thing I'm like, Oh, I feel bad for just receiving. I feel like I need to be doing something or reciprocating where I don't think men feel that way. It's like, Oh, you could give them a blow job or a hand job and they don't always feel the need. Like if you have a man who really cares about your pleasure and wanting to see you enjoy yourself, then that's amazing. And that they will still want to see you climax and finish even after they finish. And I think another thing too, where just because I didn't orgasm from having sex, like intercourse, but I still orgasm through other ways, uh, doesn't mean I'm not enjoying our sexual relationship. And I think that gets confused too, because again, if, uh, 
I think men, you know, I'm seeing is like, if you're not orgasming through sex, then I'm not, I'm doing something wrong. And I'm like, I, I read something uh, about that, like the female orgasm. And it said like lesbian relationships tend to find more fulfillment and like more higher rates of orgasm because they're directly stimulating the clit, which is like really where a woman needs to be stimulated to reach that climax almost every time. Well, <laughs> but, I think like, yeah, I, I'm like, I hate to put vibrators out of business, but I have discussed vibrators, I think with some of my friends and a lot of them, have been like, nah, I don't really need it because we don't need this like big apparatus to insert in order to get off. Like we are, I mean, digital penetration or our fingers. We are, Nature has already provided us with what we need to access pleasure whenever we want it. Just like men can access their own pleasure whenever they want it with their hands. Yeah. And I think sometimes like I know some of my friends bring toys into the equation and I've never really explored that, but I think, okay, if this really is showing that having an orgasm during sex is the ultimate kind of show or fulfillment, like I would love to have that more regularly. So maybe bringing toys in, but that whole thing about like the male ego and not wanting to hurt it, I think overrides a lot of times, at least for me speaking up about like my needs or fulfillment or willing to explore something. So like, yeah, the comment the other day was, oh, you're so particular. <laughs> and in the middle of us having sex, and I'm like, what? You know, that doesn't make me feel good. And because I'm being particular and trying to figure out like where I can still be connecting to you and also pleasuring myself, um, didn't feel good. I think like that's a little bit of the stumbling process that needs to be had as you get to know what feels good and become more empowered with your sexuality, because I don't think men are quite used to women being very direct about what they want to do. And it comes off as like bossy or um, annoying, you know, whereas like, I think there's a lot of situations where I've been very submissive and it's Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of the role that, occurs and then when I started to transition it's like oh dang she's quite more vocal and that was just a bit of a transition to now it's like understood that my being vocal is because my sexual desires right now are just as important as yours and I just keep thinking of Kobe um what you are talking about is like we as women are so groomed to be desired, but we are not ever taught or told that it's okay to desire. So yeah. that's why I feel like this is like such a different exploration. It's like, oh, what do I desire? And can I just stop caring so much about being desirable? Because that gets us in our heads. And in order for us to access the parasympathetic nervous system that you need in order to be relaxed enough to feel aroused you have to be in your body totally and I mean I'm already an analyzer and so much in my head all the time and I I find it really interesting because when I with this particular partner getting together they're very sexually experienced and that's you know, it can be hard sometimes thinking about the person you're with being so with we, what? What? So he says. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't know. We don't. We don't really have the evidence of sexual experience. We just have to take that, like anecdotal. I'm like, you know, maybe that's a front, you know, because think about all, I'm not, I mean. Yeah, you don't know exactly how many. And I think there's, I don't see why there's any reason that he would be lying to me about that. But uh, I'm, I'm pointing out that we don't, you know, since I'm thinking like that so many men are hyper-focused on that part of their lives because that's what they have been socialized to care about. I just am like, 
I just take it with a grain of salt a bit because I think that if things were much um, more balanced, I I don't know if we would get as much of that kind of type of shaming where it's like, oh, well, this is what I know. And, you know, because of yeah. my, so that's just what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I think that's a very valid point. But this it's so, and I think now in my life that I, because I'm becoming more clear in all other areas of my life and being more honest and being more direct with my communication, that is also carrying over into my sexual sexuality and my sexual life. And feeling, starting to get comfortable with saying like, okay, these are the things or these are like the fantasies I have or want to explore. And that's why like, I think last year, or I really started listening to more stuff about BDSM. Mm -hmm. And what I think is so amazing about BDSM, I've never really explored it on a personal level besides just listening and hearing um, the people who are in that industry or practice that, um, have to say, but they have to be so clear and explicit on communication about what is going to happen, what takes place, what the person desires and needs. Can the person facilitating that actually execute it and that the trust, so they might be doing stuff that could actually be very dangerous. Um, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of how intense an experience can be. Um, but that there's trust and such clear communication that I know does not happen with most people and their sexual relationships. Because most people have a hard time communicating just even their basic needs of how they want to receive love, what makes them feel heard and special and cared for. And then sex is this topic that you just think, like, like moan and groan and say this or do that, and they should know. They should know everything I want because I'm, like, guiding them. But um, so I would like to practice more a style of, like, BDSM in terms of the communication and having the trust on both sides that you are willing to go there and that if something doesn't feel good, that the other person will speak up so that that experience can be uh, experienced to the fullest, like be fully embodied. And not just for me, but for them too. Like if there's things that they want to explore or try out that maybe they never have, like I think that would be really fascinating and interesting. So learning, having like a roadmap on how do you communicate those needs and start to work through that because there is going to be a lot of stumbling, especially because like we're not professionals. I think like the only way I have learned to be more assertive about communicating my needs and really seen moments where I have experienced shame talking about sex but have stopped the internalization of what is being experienced is because I stopped caring about what men think. And like that was very threatening. I think in my relationship to truly say, I don't care if you think I'm attractive because I think I'm attractive. Mm -hmm. I don't like because I just am thinking about when I got my pixie. Yeah. (laughs) And at that same time in my life, I was also exploring more about hair and getting curious about, well, do I want to not shave my legs? Do I want to not shave my armpits? Um, Anything like what is this thing with hair? And I am digressing, but I think because shame for women a lot of times can be related to body. It is important because I, I think that for me addressing hair on my body was a way of finally taking ownership of my body because for so long shame has been used as a tool. I think also in many ways because well-meaning parents want to keep 
their little girls safe. And I, I just think like for boys, like they grow up and they're touching their genitals all the time because they need to, in order to go to the bathroom and they see their genitals all the time. Whereas little girls don't need to really touch their bodies. Yeah. Um, they are doing it on their own. And I think when, um, when parents see, you know, a little girl, maybe explore it more. It's like, Oh honey, we don't do that in public or, Oh honey, let's, uh, let's talk about, you know, where is this like okay to do? And like, Oh, are you curious? You know, it just becomes this big thing. Whereas like, Oh my gosh, 4th of July was with so many little kids that were like occasionally running around naked because there was water. And it was laughed at when the little boys were touching their genitals. It's like, Oh, haha, that's just, you know, boys being boys. Whereas little girls, it's like, um, embarrassing kind of. And I think that's because women experience violence on a regular basis against them. And Mm -hmm. so using shame, I think kind of cuts women off from their bodies and therefore can maybe keep a girl from exploring their sexuality early and maybe then they won't get pregnant or they won't get, you know, in an unsafe situation. So I guess, so now to make this full circle, for me, I had to stop and address these internalized shaming experience about my own body in order for me to then go to the bedroom and feel embodied and to just show up and to be like, I want to do it like this. And then actually like today will be about me and you don't think I'm attractive. Well, apparently that doesn't matter because in this equation, the person that matters the most is whether I find myself attractive. And I think I kind of went to the edge of that. And now I'm in a position with my partner where I do, I, I, um, I think I pushed him a bit and like at the end of our days and, and this is where trust and intimacy is crucial because I think I was able to go there with my partner because I knew that he ultimately doesn't really value my looks as much as he values me and like my personality. Yeah. And so I think that that's what he's really attracted to. Um, even though in it's nice to have a person who is aesthetically pleasing in the bedroom. And I know when I had my pixie, I wasn't. But man, to show up in the bedroom and to be able <laughs> to rock yourself with hairy legs and hair and like, and you kind of look like a little boy, you yeah. know, and to really um, be only focus on your own pleasure. That was a very fascinating social experiment that I did. And, and, um, I don't know if that, I'm sure that that has made things a little bit more liberating between us, but, um, I, I guess like that reclaiming of the body was a lot, what allowed me to show up and be more assertive in the bedroom. Yeah, no, I think that's beautiful. And it's so inspiring. And I, I mean, that's why I love talking with you because there you are one that's always speaking and wanting to know and go to the edge of where your belief system is to see like, does it still hold true? And like, because I value and respect you and also like to do that in my personal life, but I don't know that I always take it to the extreme. But I think where I am in my life now, it's like, okay, if this comes up and it's uncomfortable and it's triggering, then there's something else there that needs to be talked about. Why is this so, why is there so much contrast here? Why is this bringing up so much emotion? And I would love to learn how to reclaim my body, speak up more, claim space, and not feel like shameful about it, feel bad, and like even talking to you now thinking about even for my partner like having a day where it's just solely focused on them to and really get to learn like what is it you truly love and like maybe you don't even know what you truly love or you thought it was this but like how do we explore that and then like having a day where it's just solely about me and the the goal isn't to 
be having sex, but to create bonds and intimacy, um, I think would be really cool and something that we would learn so much more than doing like the scripted way of finding ourselves having sex. You know, it's like, okay, we first start like kissing and then touching and then it leads to sex and then that. It's like, can we get more creative? Like, what are different avenues that we can get to the same uh, level heightened of connectedness without maybe orgasming? So, yeah, I feel like from this conversation that I want to, like, push that more and explore it. And because I feel I have a person that I can really do that with, that I'm building trust with them in all other areas of life, that this should be no different because this is also a very important area to relationship health. And I just want to like maybe hit on some areas where I have experienced internalized sex shaming. And then I think maybe we could wrap it up by sharing our process for experiencing shame without the internalization of it. Totally. So you know, I for sure have felt shame with partners where it's like, oh, well, this is normal. You're not normal because you don't like this. This is what all the girls are up to. I have witnessed pornography and felt shame while witnessing it because one, it wasn't really getting me going or two, because I don't act like that and I can't move my body in that way and this and that. So for sure, I have experienced shame through partners saying I should be a certain way because potentially that has been their grooming and socialization of what sex should be. Okay. So there's that piece. And then, oh, for sure. Oh, academia. I, to this day, I have, I have not been able to let go of statistics of how much sex I should be having in order for my relationship to be healthy. And that has been oppressive and that has been stressful in my relationship because I looked at sex as another thing that needs to be done in just this way in order for us to be healthy. And and it has felt like putting our relationship in a box and like letting that go has 100% improved our dynamic where it's like there's no stress about it anymore you know but there for sure was stress in terms of what I have been educated upon when it comes to sex and then another piece has to be women talking about sex with other women and that some of my most painful shaming experiences have been where other women have shamed me and made me feel like my relationship with my partner was less than because I was not having sex every single day. Mm -hmm. And that is so not true because what I've realized is my relationship with my partner has to be strong and we have to be caring and nurturing to each other and then we can have sex with each other. But first we need that peace. Um, and that because of that shaming that really confused me. Yeah. Um, so I guess I can go into kind of how I stop the internalization of it. If it's, and if you feel like that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So basically, Shame is just a tactic, and it's a way of getting needs met. If a person is being deliberate with their shaming, they, in their own way, are trying in a very toxic way to get their needs met. And I think realizing the function of shame helps us to not take it so personal. And in those moments, I think, especially as I've begun to play around with my own sexuality, I have for sure felt shame. Um, Even with the most, in my opinion, you know, I just adore my partner. So it's like 
realizing that maybe the shame isn't like being deliberate from that person, but that it the shame is just because of so much more baggage that I carry through my own socialization and grooming. When I experience the shame, I kind of call it out and I, and I'll be clear about, Oh man, like right now I feel really bad about myself and it's because of this statement and my partner, I mean, uh, full disclosure, I have absolutely consciously and unconsciously or subconsciously, I always say unconsciously, um, consciously or subconsciously, I have you shame to my partner. And he has called me out. And man, when I get called out for my shaming tactic, it helps me to then feel more like we're just human and we're just trying to get our needs met. So if we can kind of get to the root of it, if we can pull the root out and explore that, then we can move on to the next step or the next stage and kind of put this behind us. So clear communication and just kind of calling out the shame, I think is a really great way. of. it's almost like this force of shame is coming at you. Yeah. And yeah. you experience it because we need to be able to experience difficult emotions. And yet we therefore, but we stop that. We experience it through processing with our partner that we trust or screw the person if they're not able to process this with you. And through the processing of it, we don't internalize it because we call it out for what it is. And we are able to say like, oh, this was a shame tactic. Ultimately, I'm just feeling like I'm not serving you well enough or I feel embarrassed because I can't show up in like orgasm or whatever, you know. Um, So realizing that shame is simply this force that it doesn't have to be infiltrated into the DNA. It can be experienced, unpacked, and sayonara shame because ultimately it's not it's not healthy um, to carry our shame with us, especially when it comes to sexuality because it's so much about ourselves, I think. Um, you know, we have sex organs. It's like to feel that shame is such an ultimate rejection of ourselves. So if it's shame, honey, it's not, it's not real. It's just a tactic. It's just this like malevolent force coming at you. Doesn't mean that you can't experience it. It just means that you can't keep carrying it with you. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where I'm like, where the hell am I going with this? Again, one like beautifully put, and I feel like people who are listening to this now have an avenue, a way to tangibly connect to their claim. Because even for me, hearing you say that, like, shame is a tactic for and showing us where our needs aren't getting met. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what happened the other day. That's happened uh, in so many past sexual relationships. And but now I have this level of awareness and like the way you just described it and put it um, is very helpful because shame wants to keep things hidden and make you stay in the confines of a certain box. But if you can get the confidence and I don't know, willpower to test that and just have like a softness to the approach and communication around it, so much beauty and joy can come from it. And that you really, like what you're seeing in your own experience, felt this great liberation. It's really like you feel liberated when you liberate from your shame. And why would you not want the person that you're with and experiencing this level of intimacy to just feel fully fulfilled, not only for themselves, but just for the whole um, like, between the two of you. So, yeah, I think I'm going to take that and run with it and see how I can really start showing up in my own life and applying that and just trying it out and knowing, like, it's okay. There's going to be stumbling blocks because not only do I have to unpack my shame, my partner does too. And those can be really difficult conversations. But if we're really wanting to show up and 
connect and really care about the other person, then those are the conversations that need to be had. So very true. How yeah. have you, okay. So how have you experienced shame? Mm, I would say through relationships. Yeah. Through media. Um, also through girlfriends. And there's been like some key comments that have taken place like in pivotal moments. Like when I was first exploring my sexuality in my teenage years that have stuck with me. And only maybe in the last five years have I started to let that go and know that it's not true. So it's like, what, 20 years of hanging on to that? And in letting that go, I am slowly starting to reconnect with my body and saying, like, I am a sexual person. I'm deserving of pleasure, that there's nothing wrong with my body. And once getting over that, I can start to see what other areas are being hindered or, like, don't feel truthful for me or how can I show up more fully. It's just crazy when you say that, like, about things that were said at such a young age. It's like, because, you know, our brains are developing. They're soaking everything in. So the, the way we interact with our youth and our kids and the way we model, like, healthy sexual behavior is incredibly important for how that little one is going to also practice healthy sexual behavior. Yeah. And I just think, gosh, it would be so great if the socializing of how we're taught about sex, how it's supposed to look and feel, there was more emphasis on the emotional connection, the intimacy, because then I think people would be more conscious of why they are having sex with someone, because I think that gets really confused. But, you know, that's another <laughs> journey another road to go down but yeah that is where I have seen shame show up and probably coming from myself too like feeling bad that I can't do certain things or do I feel worthy enough of experiencing this so also letting not being harsh on myself or having like kindness and compassion that also needs to happen too um yeah. So how do you, what are your, what are your ways of kind of combating a shameful moment? Um, now I think prior, I don't know that I felt confident to discuss it or talk about it or felt that, um, it was deserving of that time and energy. And now to combat it, is addressing it like seeing okay something is off what is happening here and having patience with that process like and talking about it and not feeling fearful either of bringing it up it's like okay so if we can't talk about this then how are we supposed to get past it what how what do we what do we want to learn because we ultimately want to come together and see each other being fulfilled so if this is standing in our way then until this gets addressed fully and explored then that can't really happen so the the, the intention or the direction or goal um has a much harder time being achieved and maybe would never be achieved if that shame is not addressed so just feeling comfortable that it's okay um, and that it'll be, it can be touchy because there's so much wrapped up in it that people bring to the table. Yeah. So I think for, for me, I have not gone as in depth with the process as you have, but I'm starting and I feel like I finally have a person that I'm excited to do that with and feel comfortable and trust enough that no matter what comes up, that we can work through it and talk about it and come out so much better on the other side. And while, oh no, go for it. <laughs> while um, I have also experienced shame from other women, I would say now I have such beautiful sisters in my life that mm -hmm. 
not only I think can you process those moments with your partner, but I think as women, I mean, I'm, I know I'm thinking of a conversation that we've had where it's like some of our friends have felt asexual and it's like, go, you know, if that's the way you feel like we don't need, I don't even think you and I bat our eyes when we have those kind of conversations with other women, but instead we support that experience because to, you know, and I, I think that just the full spectrum, I think now you and I have enough good girlfriends where we feel like we can talk about the stumbling moments and instead of it feeling like, oh, that's weird, your other sister shows up and is like, oh, yeah, I know that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Like, I totally get that. And I just think that we're very lucky to have a, a community of women that there's really, I mean, we do not, we, the opposite, our sisterhood is like, man, we really show up and support each other and remind each other of the normalcy of this experience. Completely. Yeah. And I think if there's any kind of questioning, it's not from a place of shaming. It's more like, are you sure you're exploring that fully? Are you really are you really getting your needs met or is there, is there something more behind it? Because it's like, that's fine. If there's asexuality or you're exploring and on the spectrum of um, sexuality, but I think knowing why you're doing something and where that comes from just helps clarify it more versus just taking it at face value. So yeah. it is, it is really incredible to have, our community around us who has that curiosity, who cares, who loves for one another, that we want to make sure that as much as we are feeling fulfilled in our relationships and with ourselves, that our girlfriends, our, our, yeah, our sisterhood around us is experiencing that too. Because then that just means um, that there's just this great level of health that is happening and well-being. And I don't know, that's like, a key piece to enjoying this life while we have it here. So, yeah, but I, um, I think this has been a really cool conversation and wow, it's tough talking about this and knowing it's going to be recorded and that we're going to put it out and send it out into the world. And I have never talked this openly about my sexuality and I'm sure there's if we ever did this again on this topic that we would have even more in depth and insight and probably even more honesty around it. Um, just getting comfortable, but it's, again, it's liberating being able to talk about this and start a conversation. Um, because there shouldn't be, I don't know. It's nice. It feels good to be able to have these conversations. I mean, think about how like maybe shall we, I know I was shy having this conversation and yeah, also challenging that. It's like, why am I shy? Oh yeah. Because there's shame. It's yeah. like, you know, just kind of seeing that we're muzzled even to talk about it. Completely. So, <laughs> so um, per use, I love you. Um, I love doing this with you. Same. Where can the people find us, Sadie? <laughs> Oh, you can find us at underscore my unpaid therapist on Instagram. Yeah, so that's our new page. We got, well, I think that'll be up and running soon. So that's it's now. We already have one follower, our sister, Lisa Murray. Oh, Lisa, always supporting us. I know, always supporting us. <laughs> I miss her, and I'm so excited because we're going to all three be in Portland in two weeks, and we will be dragging Miss Murray into a pod episode behind, I already know the title, Kobe, behind every Kobe and Sadie is a strong Lisa. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You get it. Like, you oh, get it. I can't wait to have her be our first guest. That would be incredible. I feel like you need to talk to her and, and be like, have you been listening to our pod? Because that <laughs> might be. 
few topics, conversation you know we'll get we'll get going asap but yeah so underscore uh under at underscore my unpaid therapist yeah so we hope you guys are still enjoying and listening to us so rate review subscribe um we appreciate all the support and we will be coming with you uh every wednesday we're dropping episodes so now we got a rhythm we're excited um, you guys have a great day. I love you, Sadie, and I will be seeing you soon. <laughs> Can't wait. Bye, Cobe. Bye, Sadie.